Okay, hymn 138. He's risen, he's risen. We're on stanza five, which would be the last one for this, for this hymn. Then sing your hosannas. And raise your glad voice. And raise your glad voice. Then sing your hosannas and raise your glad voice. Then sing your hosannas and raise your glad voice. Proclaim the blessed tidings. That all may rejoice. Proclaim the blessed tidings that all may rejoice. Lord, honor and praise to the Lamb who that was slain. In glory he reigns. Yes, and ever shall reign. Okay, so we're going to sing our hosannas. Um, uh, Hosanna is. Uh, the word for uh, to save, to be saved. And so Yoshana um, in Hebrew is to save us, or Lord, save us. And so to, uh, to cry out to the one who has died and risen from the dead, that he is the one who is to, Lord, save us. And so we raise up our voice and sing Hosanna to our risen king. We're to proclaim the blessed tidings. The tidings is the message. It is the good news. And this good news brings blessing to us. Uh, it is a good news that tells us about our Jesus who has risen. And even by that very message that goes out, we'll be talking about that quite a bit tonight uh, from John 16, that that is the thing that brings forth the kingdom, that brings people into his church, that extends out uh, all that, that God has won. It will be worked by the Holy Spirit. All right, uh, the next ones. Laud, honor, and praise. Um, kind of it's a heaping up. I don't know that it's, it's necessarily this idea of so many different things, but laud and honor and praise uh, is is all to be given to uh, a lamb. What kind of lamb is to get laud and honor and praise? Like on the pyramid over there, right? Hanging from the pulpit. That lamb. Uh, the lamb. And here it describes him as the one who was slain. Come, that's a pretty good description of Jesus. Yes, he was sacrificed for us, absolutely. Uh, is he still the slain one? Yeah. Is he still the sacrifice? Absolutely. Uh, as it says here, uh, yes, and ever shall reign. You would get that, huh? Like this, I think, maybe, maybe for somebody who goes to church, 
You're right. It's got a poetic, and it's you got to know a little bit more, don't you? Um, when Jesus rose from the dead, he came to the apostles on Sunday evening. How did he show himself to them? He appeared. His wounds, that he was slain. Um, he bears these wounds. These are the proof that we are forgiven. And so, yes, the lamb who was slain. Um, and yet, uh, he's no longer bound by time, bound by this world. Uh, he no longer is in his state of humiliation. But instead, it says that in glory... He reigns. He has his body, and yet he can make it appear wherever he wants. He also no longer is uh, suffering for us, but instead he receives all, all glory. He is seated at the right hand, and yet not just there. That means that he is present everywhere uh, with his body. Uh, and so his divine nature, that is being God, uh, he is reigning for us that he might, well, provide a kingdom, protect us, put us in that kingdom. We're going to be talking about all the things that he continues to do. Uh, this is because he's risen, he's risen. Uh, it's the resurrection uh, that makes it all possible. All right, stanza number five. Then sing your hosannas and raise your glad voice. Proclaim the blessed tidings that all may rejoice. Lord, honor and praise to the Lamb that was slain. In glory he reigns. Yes, and ever shall reign. Very good. We're on the table of duties. We dealt with the first realm. Oh, that was the church. What are the two offices that are found within the church? What is it? There, we do talk about the office of the keys. That would be the pastoral office. And the other is? The hearers. So we got the pastoral office, we've got the hearers. Uh, then we talk about in the home. We've got the husband and wife and the children. Here we've got the second one. Refers to last time the religious or the authorities, the servants of the, the sword. And now we take a look at citizens. Uh, if you have this sheet, it's page 32. Uh, we'll deal with those scripture passages with deal with citizens. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And to God what is God's. And to God what is God's. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Matthew 22, verse 21. Matthew 22, verse 
All right. Um, what belongs to God? Oh. Everything. Hmm. How, how did it belong to God then? How did everything get to belong to God? He made it all in six days. It's all his. And yeah, when we speak in this way, it doesn't mean, well, give to God what is God so he gets everything and give to Caesar what's his and Caesar has nothing. What it's talking about is, Pastor Arun said, that which is the church that which belongs to that which is spiritual, you give unto God. That which belongs to the realm of the government, to this world, to this kingdom, uh, you give to him. God has handed it over. What were the two things that we said the governing authorities are supposed to do? Two things. I think we can say some others, but... All right, there to guide and protect us, that would be our body, and our property and possessions. And so those are the two things of this world that has been given. Yes, we can talk about how they've been given the power of the sword, that is, to punish or to reward. Um, and so they have been given that. Uh, last time we uh, saw where it said, uh, that uh, if you do wrong, we ought to fear, because God gave that to them, uh, that they might use this in order to protect uh, our body and possessions, and, and, and so. So, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. Matthew 22, verse 21, everyone? Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, Okay. So, when it comes to hmm, when it comes to worship, who do you give that to? To God. Uh, what if King Nebuchadnezzar says, "Fall down and worship me?" <laughs> yep, we're not going to worship him. We're not going to give him worship. Um, all right, so that has been given to God. What about taxes? Who do you pay them to? <laughs> yep. So we're going to pay it to God. Exactly. Can we use the excuse that I'm a Christian? I'm a part of God's kingdom. I don't have to pay taxes. Does that work? Nope. Very good. <laughs> yep. So, um, give to God what is God's. Give to Caesar what is Caesar, and to God what is God's. There's a distinction, there is a separation. There is that which God has handed over for protection and for those things, and there, there is that which is given for the church. Uh, we've already had that. The church's role is not to take care of body and possessions, but to take care of what? Care of the soul. 
the soul. We might also say the conscience as well. Uh, that is the role of the church, uh, to provide for the eternal welfare of, of the soul, include your body as well, but also that it might teach you so that your conscience uh, is at rest, uh, that you have a clear uh, conscience. And so those are the things that have been given to God. How do we, how does God and his church take care of the soul and, and, and the conscience? Does God give to pastors the power of the sword? I don't think so. What are the, what is, how does God do this? Good. So that way in the church is to teach the word, exactly, to teach the word. So that's been given. Okay, so we have this distinction. But we are to give to the government as citizens. We're a part of this world, and so we, well, honor it. Let's keep going. Romans 13, 5 through 7. It is necessary to submit to the authorities... Not only because of possible punishment. Not only because of possible punishment. There is the power of the sword. There is the power of punishment that says, I'm going to fine you. I'm going to lock you up. I'm going to punish you. And yes, because of possible punishment, we say, no, I don't want to disobey. I don't want to live in fear of the one who is in authority. And so, but here it says, you're a Christian. And so it's not only, it, yes, it includes that, not only uh, because of possible punishment, next part, but also because of conscience. And also because of conscience. Not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. You have been given a conscience. Your conscience is that which has been taught by the word of God. It teaches you what is right and what is wrong. So that when you go to do something which is good, your conscience commends you. It motivates you. It tells you, yes, go and do that. That's a very good thing you did. Your conscience also will scream and yell at you when you are to do wrong. And you say, well, that's a wrong thing. Oh, I think I'll do it anyway. That's, that's, I'll go. And your conscience says, no, no. Um, this is a conscience. Paul tells us we are not to go against conscience. That's what God is trying to use to teach us, to lead us, uh, to uh, lead us in the way that we should go. Um, someone, you might say to them, well, uh, when did you know that when did you know that this was wrong? Oh, didn't you think about this before this happened? Ah, yeah. Ah. Wasn't it where you were going to do it and you went, hmm, I wonder if I ought to do it? Ah. That was God trying to stop you by means of your conscience. To disobey conscience is to go against that which God has established. Now, uh, should... And, and a conscience can be mistaught, misinformed. Uh, if that is the case, we need to, uh, uh, first and foremost, 
uh, to reteach that conscience. That's what needs to happen. Okay, so uh, as Christians, we submit. We talked about uh, obey, honor, those kind of things to the authority, pay taxes, uh, live in a righteous way that it might uh, be good uh, for others. Here, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. Next part. This is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. All right? So God has set it up. Not only did he set it up for the pastoral office that you would say we would pay them for their work, but also for those who are given to be servants of the sword, those who are to provide for us in government, they're to be paid. Uh, for their work. And so here also, uh, that's why we pay taxes. Why? They're doing God's work, and they're doing it in order that they might provide for you, as it says here, that they might do governing, that they might punish evil and reward good. Oh, maybe we all ought to be uh, libertarians. Uh, in which, the word uh, liber is the word for free, uh, we could all be free and we would simply establish, we could just establish Heron as a place in which we don't have any authorities, we'll just all be free and each one will, will, will do his own thing and we won't have any laws and we won't have anyone to come in. How about that? Where would all this crime come from? You are correct. In other words, we all have a sinful nature. Um, there is that which is evil, and it does need to be held in check. And if you remove that, what happens? chaos and this kind of harm and, and these things uh, as well. And so uh, maybe you yourself, on a good day, don't need the governing authority. Maybe you would do what is right. Uh, but definitely the society as a whole, and you as a sinner also, uh, will need it. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. honor. Romans 13, verses 5 through 7. 7. All right, so I'm going to place my hand upon my heart, and I'm going to pledge allegiance to the flag. Can Christians do that? Should we? Sure, there's an honor, there is a respect that goes with the country, with supporting that, uh, and so we need to respect those things. Let's keep going. I've got several passages to uh, get through. The next one is from 1 Timothy 2, and so we're going to kind of move beyond that Romans 13. We had that long section Uh, This was 5 through 7. Last time we did 1 through 4, so we've really done 1 through 7. 
Uh, Romans 13 is really that passage that deals with uh, governing authorities and citizens. But 1 Timothy 2, well, presents to us even more. I urge them, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority. That we may lead peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior. First Timothy two verses one through three. All right, so you're a Christian. Yes, you are supposed to obey the government. You are to pay your taxes. You are to give to Caesar what is Caesar's. But more than that, as a Christian who is also a part of God's kingdom, it says you are supposed to do something for the government. What are you supposed to do? Pray for the government. You're supposed to offer up prayers. You're to pray to God for their welfare, for the success, so that they are able to govern the society. Uh, what if you have a, a, a rotten leader? <laughs> then I guess we ought to pray more. Uh, I was told once, uh, I, I prayed for uh, one of our uh, governing leaders, and, and someone told me that, uh, that I shouldn't do that. They said, you know, uh, he was really rotten and I shouldn't pray for him. I ex <laughs> exactly. Luke? No, I think you're right. I think that uh, uh, we do have the freedom. We have the freedom to pray according to our conscience. Uh, no one should, and, and I don't have to uh, allow someone to, to tell me what to do. Uh, you say sarcasm, let's say ironic. Uh, is it ironic that I get a letter from the uh, Illinois government uh, that says I can come to Springfield and I can have a prayer before the uh, uh, House of Representatives up there. And then they have a list of things where it says I can't mention any particular deity when I pray and I can't mention Jesus' name and I can't do this. That's why I don't go. Because if you're going to restrict me from those things, no, this is what. Uh, uh, this is who I pray to. 
play to the triune God, and I'm going to pray in Jesus' name, and it's only because of that. And so, yes, you know, if someone wants to restrict you, um, absolutely not. Uh, I will, this is what I will do. Uh, it's been given to me. I've got a kind of, that's what, that one, that belongs to God. Uh, you cannot, you cannot stop that, uh, if you will. Here, uh, where it talks about us praying for those in authority, uh, as I said, we pray for their health, for their benefit, uh, for their governing, that they make wise decisions, that it contributes to the public good. And here, that we may lead, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. The two purposes and the two means in which God uses the sword and laws to provide for the body and possessions, the word in order to uh, save the soul and, and, and to give us a good conscience, uh, they are distinct. And yet, for us, we live in both these worlds. And I would say God uses these so that they serve each other. We pray for the government. And so we ask God to bless. We ask our God to, to, to do those things that would help the government. The government then provides for a, a peaceful society uh, so that there is not stealing, so that there is protection, so that we can come together and worship. And when we come together and worship, we pray for the government. God uses both of these that he might provide uh, for us in this world. What does God say? It says, this is good and pleases God our Savior. Uh, that both of these realms would uh, work in, in their realm, and yet it would serve for the good of his, of his Christians. I think we can get one more in. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities. To be, obedient, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to be ready to do whatever is good. And so we are obedient even to those, uh, it's because of their office, uh, not because of who they are, uh, but that we might do good. And St. Paul told us in Romans 13 last time, uh, those who do, do good do not need to fear the authority. In fact, we need to fear no one. Uh, and so we ought to love our neighbor. We ought to pray for uh, the government and, and the kingdom of this world uh, that God might provide uh, not only for us personally, but also for his church. Questions? Okay. We like the candles, and we'll begin. Please stand. Page 224. 
Oh Lord, open my lips. Make haste, O oh God, to deliver me. Make haste to Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Praise to you, O Christ. Alleluia. You may be seated. The reading is on the back of the bulletin, and we'll be using the Easter responsory. It's on page 227, following the reading. John chapter 16, verse 5 through 15. But now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart... I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. This is God's word. Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death hath no more dominion over him. Alive he lives, he lives to God. Alleluia, alleluia. He was delivered for our offenses. He was raised again for our justification. Death hath no more dominion over him. The life he lives, he lives to God. Alleluia, alleluia. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Death has no more dominion over him. 
The life he lives, he lives to God. Alleluia, alleluia. Hymn 138. He's risen, he's risen, Christ Jesus the Lord. Desprison he opened incarnate true word. Break forth, hosts of heaven, in jubilant song. While earth, sea, and mountain, the praises prolong. The foe was triumphant when on Calvary, the Lord of creation was nailed to the tree. In Satan's domain, his host shouted and jeered, For Jesus was slain, whom the evil ones feared. But short was their triumph, the Savior arose. And Ahab and Satan, he vanquished his foes. The conquering Lord lifts his banner on high. He lives, yes, he lives, and will never more die. Oh, where is your sting that we fear you no more? Christ rose and now open his fair Eden's door. For all our transgression his blood does atone. Redeemed and forgiven, we now are his own. Then sing your hosannas and raise your glad voice. Proclaim the blessed tidings that all may rejoice. Lord, honor and praise to the Lamb that was slain. In glory he reigns, yes, and ever shall reign. Okay, the reading is John 16. It was actually John 16 last week. Uh, what was the context uh, for John 16. When did Jesus do this teaching in John 16? You know? Monday, Thursday. This is before he died. 
Uh, this is his last teaching. Uh, this is at the time of the Passover and, and the words of institution, and now he is uh, teaching them, and he's telling them about what is his kingdom. But now I go away. You might remember last week they kept saying, we don't know what you're talking about. He says, I'm going to go to the Father. Uh, and here he says, he says, I'm going to go away to him who sent me. What was that, to go to the Father? Or, in a little while you will not see me. What was he talking about? You're correct. And so we got the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus. This is the way that he goes to the Father. And so he says, I told you I'm going to the Father. I told you I'm going away. And then he says, but none of you say, where are you going? Instead, you're all sad. Or it says, sorrow has filled your heart. They were all, he said, I'm going to the Father. And they went, oh. And they were, they were really sad over this. What do they think? We know what he was doing. What do they think? He's leaving them. He's abandoning them. He's taking them this far, and now he's just going to go away, and he's going to leave them by themselves. And so now they're sad. They're thinking, oh, this Jesus, he's done all, and now he's not going to finish this. He's not going to do what he needs to do, and so he's going away, and so they're, they're, they're sad. Well, that's exactly what happens after his death. You're right. After the death, they say, we thought he was the one, and he's not. I don't think they're quite there yet, but you know what? You're close. Because you know what they thought? You know why they were so sad? You know what they expected? They expected Jesus to suffer and die? No, 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 no. What did they think he was going to do? Rain here on earth. They thought, now, what's he going to do? He's going to go to the temple, and he's going to drive out the Romans. He's going to establish his kingdom. Who's going to be leaders with him? They are. Great. This is time for an earthly kingdom. Um, all the people, they welcomed him on Palm Sunday, and so they said, finally, Jesus allows the people to have this palm procession parade, and so they're all ready. And so when Jesus says, I'm going away, they're going, what? No, you just got the people to this point. You got them all worked up. They're all ready for you. Sorrow filled their hearts. But Jesus, when Jesus found out they were sad, he said, I'm going to the Father. He thought they would be happy. Because he was doing it, here it says, it is to your advantage. Jesus said, has Jesus ever done anything that wasn't for their good or for our good? No. He ne did he ever come and do something just for himself? Uh -uh. He came to serve and he served completely. And if that meant leaving, laying down his life for us, he did it. 
And so he says, why didn't you ask me? Why couldn't I could have told you it was for your advantage? This is a good thing for you. I'm doing this for your sake. It's for your advantage that I go away. Well, what if Jesus didn't go away? Well, like Luke said, if, what if Jesus didn't suffer, die, and rise again? We're not saved. We're still in our sins. Ah, so this is to the advantage. And he said, I, if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. Jesus is getting ready to tell them about a helper. Um, the helper is going to come. Who is this helper? Jesus says, if I don't go away, you don't get the helper. But if I go away, if I suffer and die and rise again, the helper comes. And I will send him to you. Who's the helper? Who? The Holy Spirit. And so he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, you might remember, there's two things that the Holy Spirit does, or for, there's for two reasons that the Holy Spirit comes. Either for faith, or for to help uh, in the proclamation of the word. Okay? When Jesus says he's going to send the Holy Spirit to the apostles, it's not to give them faith. They already have faith. On the, on the night that Jesus rose from the dead and he said, receive the Holy Spirit, it was not so that they would believe, it was so that help them spread the word. Exactly. And so we have the promise of the Holy Spirit uh, so that they would forgive sins and retain sins, so that they would go out and do this. So he says to them, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus has begun, Luke, to tell them the difference between what they thought. They thought it was going to be an earthly kingdom. They thought that Jesus was going to reign by power. It's going to be a kingdom that comes with the Holy Spirit. Oh. So, the Spirit, this is a spiritual kingdom, for it's the Holy Spirit. And so he says, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Spirit, I'm going to send you the helper, uh, and he will come to you. Luke? It's going to be a kingdom. It's not going to be an earthly kingdom. You're right. Those terms work. You're right. And Jesus uses those, but they got the wrong idea. So Jesus is going to teach them what it's going to be. So I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. A little bit later, so that I can make sure, let's keep this kind of train of thought. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He calls him the helper, and a little bit later, he calls him something else. What does he call him? Come on, Liam. What does he call him a little bit later? The spirit of... Oh, oh he's going to check and see. He may be able to pull it out of there. Hmm. It's in verse 13. What else? 
truth, the spirit of truth. He's going to call him a truthful spirit. Uh, this is the spirit of truth. He is one who is going to tell the truth. Where does this spirit of truth work? Because the spirit of truth is going to guide you into all truth. It's the word. And so the spirit works with the word. Okay, we've got that. That comes up a little bit later, but I want to make sure we've got. So here's the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. It's a spiritual kingdom. Um, and it's the spirit of truth. And so the spirit of truth is going to speak the truth. He's going to bring the truth. He's going to go to the word of truth. And so this kingdom doesn't come with the sword. It comes with the word. Really? Yep. This kingdom involves the word. That's what it's about. Um, when we talk about pastors being a servant of the word, oh, this goes into what belongs to God. This goes, And so it's going to come with the word. The Holy Spirit's going to come. I'm going to send him to you, and here's what he's going to do. Wherever you preach the word, the Holy Spirit will be there, and he will do these things. He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment. Convict the world of three things, of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Let's deal with sin first. Okay. Um, do you believe that you are a sinner? Yes, I believe it. How do you know this? From the Ten Commandments, right? All right, give me a sin. Give me a sin. You can't think of any sins. Just, just pick one. It Stealing. What commandment? Seven. Give me another sin. What about, what's another sin? Murder. What commandment? Fifth commandment. All right, so we got these commandments, and it's going to show us, the Ten Commandments show us our sins, right? According to the commandments. The Holy Spirit's going to come, and it says, he will convict the world of sin. And then it says this. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. It doesn't mention murder. doesn't mention adultery. doesn't mention stealing. doesn't mention any of those kind of things. It says the Holy Spirit's going to convict people of the sin of not believing in Jesus. That's the sin. I guess you could say that's the first commandment. I guess you could. You're right. It becomes the fountainhead. It becomes the start. And all of the other stuff, well, just are the result of not keeping the first. If you could keep the first, you could keep all the rest. Yeah. You know what? The world, the world out here says, oh, we know what sin is. Sin is when you offend someone. Sin is when you, you know, they've got all these ideas about sin. And, and well, murder, that, that one's, that's a terrible. And, and so, you know what the world says? Oh, well, I, I don't murder. And I don't steal big stuff. Um, and so, the, you know, sin, sin, that's what those rotten people do. But guess what? The Holy Spirit's going to work through the apostles and is going to let them know that 
people like the Pharisees and the, the teachers in the church there at the time? What is he going to say to them? You guys are guilty of sin because you don't believe in Jesus. And they are going to be offended by this. The world is, the world is going to go, are you, you, where did you get this stuff? And we say the Holy Spirit teaches it in the Word. This is the sin that takes to hell. All other sins are forgiven. All other sins are forgiven through the death and resurrection of Jesus, through believing in Jesus. But if you don't believe in Jesus, it doesn't matter. Everything, nothing is forgiven. So believe in Jesus, and all that other is taken away. Don't believe in Jesus? The Holy Spirit's going to come and say, the only thing that really matters it's belief in Jesus. To the world, when it convicts the world, we're talking about not believers. Yeah, we're going out into the kingdom of the world. The, whole, the, the apostles are going out into the kingdom of the world to convict. Um, hopefully, for us, we will say, yes, you're right. That's exactly right. Apart from Jesus, you can't be saved. Apart from Jesus, all there is is sin. You can't do anything good. You know what that's called? Righteousness. Wait a minute. People go, hey, I'm, I, that, that's sin stuff. But guess what? The Holy Spirit's going to convict people of righteousness. Right? Because you know what? The Pharisees said, we're righteous. We, we don't do work on the Sabbath day. And we give God money. And, and we go to church. Now, what did the Pharisees do? They came and said, I thank God I'm not like other sinners. I'm a good person, God, so you can save me. And what's the Holy Spirit going to convict them? Of righteousness. Wait. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. When someone says to you, I'm righteous, when they hold up their stuff, what does the Holy Spirit do? He teaches us the only righteousness we have is Jesus going to the Father. The suffering, death, resurrection of Jesus is our righteousness. That is where we can boast. All of the other stuff, no, you can't boast in your church. You can't boast in being good. You can't boast in, you know, all of that stuff. You can't. No, the Holy Spirit's going to teach us what real righteousness is, and the world is going to go, oh, no, that's not right. But the Holy, where they're going to speak that word out because the Holy Spirit's going to He's going to send them the Holy Spirit so that they convict the world of sin, not believing in Jesus, of righteousness. The only righteousness we have is one that's not our own, one we trust in by faith, which is Jesus' suffering, death, and resurrection. And he's going to convict the world of judgment. I better see what that is, of judgment. Because the ruler of this world is judged. The apostles have a judgment to make. The judgment is this. Of those in the kingdom of God are those who believe in Jesus and have his righteousness. Apart from that, the kingdom of this world, of which the devil is, is head, you're already judged. You're done. You're condemned. It's not good. Um, 
That's what they're going to do. They're going to set up a new kingdom. Luke, they are not going out with swords and clubs and soldiers to conquer the enemy. They're going to go out with the word. And they're going to go out preaching the word of truth, and the spirit of truth is going to be there. And it's going to be a spiritual kingdom. They're going to preach it out, and there will be people that will come to believe that sin is not believing in Jesus, and they will come to believe that righteousness only is Jesus going to the Father, and we ought to believe in him. And they'll believe that the stuff of this world is, it cannot save you. It cannot save you. Now, the stuff of this world, as we talked about already earlier tonight, give to Caesar what is Caesar and to God what is God, as long as you stay within Caesar's realm, you know, that's what's been given for this world. You do what's good, and the authorities here uh, do good to you. You do wrong, and there's punishment. You work, and you get paid. In this kingdom, it works, but you can't apply this to God's kingdom, and Jesus is setting up a new kingdom with his apostles, and it's going to be different from what they thought. And so, they're going to go out, because the Holy Spirit is going to go with them, and they're going to establish a kingdom, and it's the kingdom called the church. Wow. And what do they have to fight with? Well, they've got the word. He will guide you into all truth. So what? if you go at the world with the word, and they've got the sword, what's going to happen? You're going to win. Oh, how will you win? What if they kill you, Luke? Yeah. So you win. What if they hear the word and believe? You win, they win. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so this is what the Holy Spirit does, and he says, I'm doing something different. Jesus is telling them on Monday, Thursday, all right, I've got you all ready. We're getting ready to go to battle. And then he hands over the word to them and promises to give them the Holy Spirit. And, whoa. Um, what's the Holy Spirit going to do? Um, well, here it says that the Holy Spirit is going to take what belongs to Jesus and make it known to us. So, wherever the word is being preached, the Holy Spirit is working to take the stuff. The, the God's word is all about Jesus. These are the words that talk about me. And to reveal it to us that Jesus was there. It's going to reveal to us that Jesus is the one who's going to crush the head of the serpent. Genesis chapter 3. It's going to reveal to us that Jesus is the virgin, uh, is the son of the virgin. Uh, in, in Isaiah 7, it's going to reveal to us that Jesus is the lamb that was slain already from the creation of the world. It's going to reveal to us that the forgiveness of sins comes from Jesus. Blessed is the man uh, who believes in, in Jesus, who meditates upon his word. And so uh, we're going to find that this is what, well, Jesus is setting up already on, on Monday, Thursday. Do they understand that night? No, that's why they need this teaching. They need it so that they can go forward and so that they might know that this is good and this is for their advantage. It is good for them. It turns out to be great for us, for we are the ones who, because of their message,
have also come to believe by means of the Word and the Holy Spirit. You couldn't come to believe if the Holy Spirit wasn't working uh, through the Word. Questions? All right, prayers this evening? And prayer requests or based on the reading? Luke? Yes, let's ask for safe travel. Is it Colorado? Yeah. Okay, please stand. We'll use our pink sheet for this evening. Holy God, holy and most gracious Father, you shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. My soul praises for you. 
proud the cursed who stray from your commandments. Princes also sit and speak against me, but your servant meditates on your statutes. Your testimonies also are my delight and my Glory be to the Father and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, who makes the minds of the faithful to be of one will, grant to your people that they may love what you have commanded and desire what you do promise. That among the manifold changes of this world, our hearts may be fixed where true joys are to be found. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Heavenly Father, send your spirit of truth that we might be taught by your word, uh, that our conscience might dwell upon our Savior, Jesus Christ, and the many gifts that he showers upon us, and that we might trust in nothing but the righteousness of our Savior. Heavenly Father, we ask also that you would uh, keep safe uh, a mother in Colorado, and that you would uh, send your angels to uh, provide safe travel for her. And the final petition. Grant peace, we pray, in mercy, Lord. Peace in our time, O send us. For there is none on earth but you, none other to defend us. You only, Lord, can fight for us. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works proceed, Give to your servants that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey your commandments, and also that we, being defended by you, may pass our time in rest and quietness through the merits of Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. The Lord bless us, defend us from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life.